0: Welcome to Digital Health Talks. Each week, we meet with the healthcare leaders making a measurable difference in equity, access, and quality. Hear about what tech is worth investing in and what isn't as we focus on the innovations that deliver. Join me, Megan Antonelli, and my friend, Shahid Shah, for our weekly No BS Deep Dives into what's really making an impact in healthcare.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining our session this afternoon. Today, we have the honor of talking with Rush University, and we're going to talk about efficiency gained in a very difficult place to gain any kind of efficiency, and that's the emergency department. I can tell you that because I'm a practicing emergency physician. My name is Dr. Donald Koziak. I'm the chief medical officer for Lidos. Lidos is a very interesting company that focuses largely on the federal government customer. We've been in practice for more than 50 years serving the government in things from defense to intelligence to healthcare. One of the things we're most known for recently is the electronic health record implementation across the federal government space, while we do all sorts of life sciences work, command and control work, and the like. We're gonna get into why Rush and Lidos partnered to help with streamlining during this discussion. So again, thank you for choosing to be with us today. I'm going to turn it over to my co-presenter, Dr. Paul Casey, for his introductions. Thanks, Don.
0: Appreciate it. This. Uh, my name is Paul Casey. I'm the chief medical officer here at Rush University Medical Center and also the interim president for the faculty practice group. Just a little bit about Rush itself. So Rush University Medical Center is located in Chicago, Illinois, interestingly, charter for the university was three days before the founding of the city. So we've been here uh, a long time and really we have built our our brand around quality and safety. And that's what I think what you hear a little bit about in this work, but we're an honor roll hospital, CMS five stars, leapfrog, grade A, and uh, more recently recognized as uh, number two in the country for Vizian's quality and accountability study as well. So I think you're going to hear a lot about our journey, our quality journey, and specifically around
1: ED operations. I'll turn it back to you, Don. Excellent. Hey, so being two emergency doctors, we have to have at least one emergency department story. So I know you were working recently clinically. What was one of the coolest things that you got to see on your last shift?
0: Oh, boy. I'll tell you. I don't know that this is the coolest thing, but I'll tell you what was a relief is having been through the last couple of years in the emergency department and The acuity uh, that the pandemic brought us, and and really, you know, uh, the COVID patients themselves. It's almost nice to see we've seen this real return of some high acuity business, but mixed in there, it was a relief for me to see a young man uh, that came in. With some abdominal pain after eating a bag of flaming hot Cheetos, that really, <laughs> to me, was the bookend on the pandemic. That uh, he felt comfortable coming back to the ED. So that, hey, that's the. And the
1: best part is he didn't have to wait long in the waiting room because by then the Cheetos would have made him feel better. That's right. Like the they've been uh, been up in your luck without being seen number. So exactly why the efficiency we're going to talk about today is so important, so that you can see a man who has tummy pain after eating Cheetos. <laughs> I agree. I my last clinical shift very similar. You know, there's still some covid mingled in there and we're seeing some really sick people that have put off some care for a little while, but it is nice to see some of those things that used to drive you crazy, the the non-urgent visits, but it's glad that they're back because that means they're feeling comfortable about venturing out. That's it. So let's talk about, you know, we're going to do a little bit of a fireside chat. I'm going to I'm going to pepper you with some questions. I'll try to add some color commentary where I can, but really Let's talk about why would you ever try to streamline the chaos that is the emergency department? Why was that the place that Rush said, you know what, we're going to start here and get it organized?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I think, you know, it's like all, all things, right? When you're working in that environment and you see the emergency department is inherently unpredictable in many ways. So you really want to be able to bring some thought around how to control the things that we're able to control within the emergency department. And what used to frustrate me years ago was that there was no real order, there was no standard operations, there was no way to measure how we were doing day to day. And you could tell you know, what felt like a good day or felt like a bad day, but you were never quite certain you know, what things were going. And there was nothing more frustrating as I moved on and started looking more through kind of operational metrics and things like that to a week in arrears be looking back and saying, geez, last Tuesday you know, looked horrific. So it really, it led us back years ago, started this emergency department innovations team to really bring staff into the room and start really thoughtfully going through, you know, let's take the front end process. Let's take from when someone walks in our door till we get them in a room, let's beat it up and try to figure out exactly where, you know, we can take uh, some non-value added steps out of that from the patient's perspective and really streamline and then we went through, you know, each really with this team over a period of about a year, each different segment of the patient journey through the emergency department. And we were all feeling really great about ourselves, I think, that, you know, we had put in place these various, uh, these various improvements. But what inevitably happens is you improve one area, you take your attention off it, and then next you look and you backslid. You know, unless you really put hardwired some operational tools in, inevitably, you, find, you see this backsliding. So there's this journey of, you know, improvement. You're feeling good about yourself. A month later, you look back and you say, geez, we just didn't sustain it. So it's what really led us to, to think about what a more sustainable and hardwired solution would be and brought us down the road of, of a larger kind of value stream transformation around emergency department operations.
1: Well, and I have to tell you, because I, I knew how the, it ends, right? Uh, you came up with some really interesting metrics that just aren't in the usual vocabulary for how you measure uh, emergency department throughput, like last to pull time and all sorts of things that just aren't standard. So when you started the journey, what kind of metrics were you looking at and where were you falling below what you would consider your standard, if you will?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think uh, when I referenced the frustration around seeing data in arrears and metrics in arrears, what always used to drive me a little crazy was when we look back and see arrival to discharge, or you know, which is a, a CMS measure uh, at one point, and that really doesn't tell you a whole lot about the operations in the room, right? So you look back and you see, you know, arrival to discharge last week, we were uh, an hour over our goal, and it it absolutely is uninformative in every way as to like what were actually the challenges uh, in terms of people moving through. So. Did a lot of reading and really started looking at you know more how these things are managed you know in industrial engineering and things like that. Even these days, you know, you go to Starbucks and you see that you know they have very uh, discrete steps. So that's what we did for emergency department. We really broke down into very discrete steps and blo- broke up into different operational units so we could really measure things just like your reference you know what's the last time we pulled a patient back how many people are waiting to get into that particular area you know operational unit or flow cell what's the t- amount of time people have been in there and what are the barriers within that so i think we'll see a little more of that but you know, as, as as we're looking at here, really the important thing is, as I said, there's a lot of things we can't control within the emergency department. You know, unlike other operational units, you can't always control the volume coming in the front door, nor how you're getting patients out into the hospital, uh, especially with ED boarding that many institutions struggle with. So we really tried to look at what do we have control of? And that's processes. That's the queue, the waiting, the patient paths, and really how we can manage those resources most efficiently that led us to led us to some of those metrics.
1: Yeah, perfect. And probably like every hospital and health system, you did the lean journey, right? And I love these slides that you have on uh, the board and the process. And, and what I think is unique about what you've done is that you really did carry through those changes that you had and you operationalize them. A lot of people do the journey and then they find it's really hard to change the, the way they're doing stuff. And so they stop there or they change a few things or they play, as you described the whack-a-mole, like we focus here. So we whack it down Then another one pops up. So tell me a little bit about the good and the bad of that lean journey and what you found uh, was easy to fix and what was really hard to fix. And then what was missing uh, that made you go elsewhere?
0: Sure. Absolutely. You know, uh, to start with maybe what was hard about it, you know, I think everyone has to be very realistic that this takes time and I would say you know from the time this work was done uh several years ago till now i mean there's continued time and effort put into really making sure that this continues to be successful in many ways and really the design phase uh, you know I, I tell people i i spent about 60 hours in one academic year in a conference room with you know with our teams really working through this so that there's certainly a time investment that you got to put in but i think what we quickly realized, you know, now and and now I can say years later, is that that investment is worth, you know, every ounce of sweat that goes into it. When you look at some of the results and outcomes, and just the operational cadence of the team. So, so what you see here was actually some of our earliest work, which is really, you know, it's nothing fancy. It, it's certainly not reaching to uh, create, you know, digital tools as we eventually landed on. It was really, you know, pen and paper, getting a team together. Creating this whole value stream from the very start to the end, coming up with some operational principles on how we were going to manage teams and how patients were going to flow through the department. Um, doing a lot of work around redesigning. You know, we we were in a relatively new footprint, but we really had to rethink how we were using different areas and different rooms. And you can see that on the architectural plan on the right hand side. But but there's constant experimentation in this. You know, the, you, the nice thing about building in these tools and building in this cadence and really training a group of individuals to be experts on this is that you you never are at a final product you're constantly iterating on what can we do better how can we you know improve day by day week by week and uh, month by month and that all starts really with with uh the pens and papers and understanding where you are and where you want to go
1: yeah and, and you know we talked about metrics a little bit ago i i think one of the metrics that you focused in on early was the the left without being seen rate which Tells you more about being able to pull people in and get them through historically, where where were you compared to the to where you wanted to be?
0: Yeah, you know, and left without being seen, you're exactly right. That was kind of one of those true north metrics that we identified. And, and in my mind, when we looked back at it, I mean, we were, we were honestly not doing uh well uh prior to this work. You know, we had days where our left without being seen was eight, 10%, uh, which to me is kind of an operational. Owner at the time, I was vice chair for operations within the emergency department. That to me is one in every ten people that come to get care with us. We're saying no, we can't take care of you, right? And that's just not acceptable for an emergency department where people, you know, are coming seeking care. Many of whom, you know, really in their mind are truly having an emergency. Whether whether you know the ultimate diagnosis is or is not, there, there's a reason they came there to seek care. So. That's where we started. You know, we realized just from a business perspective as well as a uh, patient experience perspective, if we see that we can consistently drive that number down, um, you know, we tar- targeted less than two percent, just given where we had started, and now you know even further down. That t- to us was one of the true indicators that we had really changed something and be able to provide the service that we intend to provide.
1: Well, you said something very interesting uh, in the last answer that I think would resonate with uh, the IT audience and the clinical audience that, that's probably watching us uh, right now. And the the word was constant tweaking. And uh, it's kind of a little bit of a setup in the sense that, uh, you know, you and I have been doing this a long time, 20 plus years of doing emergency medicine. I remember doing it on paper. I've been through three or four electronic health records. And uh, none of them, no matter which one you have, and I know you have a great one, uh are really good at the constant tweaking part, at least to respond quickly to the constant tweaking. Uh, Was that a barrier that you found? Or was that something that early worked, but as you got more advanced, you needed something different?
0: Yeah, you know, I, uh, so I also, um, during this time, was actually taking on a role within informatics as an associate uh, chief medical informatics officer. And to me, there was always the thought, you know, that eventually we had to be able to to make these tools sustainable, you know, we we started like everywhere with kind of uh, paper paper and pencil in terms of tracking our performance, and then we realized, boy, we, we really need this to be something that's more available to the teams, you know, on a consistent basis. And I banged my head against a wall for a period of about two years trying to figure out how to get. Our EHR to really support that workflow, and I, I came to the realization after a lot of work and thinking around it is just not the nature of the design as it is to have this kind of really team-based focus that presents real-time uh, metrics that the team can really look at on a you know area by area basis, nor were the metrics we were looking at necessarily the metrics that we were able to design towards. So that's what led us kind of away uh, into a new area of thinking. How can we actually digitalize this in a more effective way so it really helps the teams um, outside the EMR?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you did the journey, you did the, the lean process. You came up with some ideas. Uh, this next slide that you're flashing up really talks about some of that. You just wanted to spend a minute talking about the, the two or three key concepts that came out of there that you then wanted to operationalize in an electronic system. Yeah.
0: So I think, you know, th- this will uh, make make sense uh, when you look at you look at the tools themselves as well is that, you know, we designed our whole design concept was around flow cells, lean flow cells. And really, those are just, you know, autonomous teams working together, you know, as, as a uh, in an individual area around a certain kind of type of patient. probably the easiest way to think about it in the emergency department is a patient that comes in is relatively low acuity. We should be sending that patient to a different flow cell, to a lower acuity flow cell that has different operational metrics and goals around how efficiently we should get that patient through, as opposed to someone that's critically ill. Um, you know, that we know is going to take more time, more workup, more resources. Um, So those are the flow cells we refer to. And then really those flow cells have to all follow the same kind of standard work. They need to pull patients in, you know, on a one-by-one cadence. They need to be you know, you want shift by shift consistency in terms of what the team's doing. So, we spent a lot of time developing kind of what is the work of a patient care tech within a low flow cell, right? And we that was not work that uh, I was, you know, di- that I was doing. That was our patient care tech. So, we're saying, here's the things, you know, that we got to be able to do on a consistent basis. So, you really had that that level of understanding. And then you kind of need someone that's able to uh, manage the flow. And in a lot of places, this is the charge nurse. We actually were a pretty large emergency department, we we're over 60 beds. Um, so we actually designated a role of a flow nurse, um, that would really help direct flow and make sure that we were meeting those variables and be able to push resources when someone was falling behind or a team was falling behind, um, to be able to, you know, catch up with, our falling behind goal.
1: Yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, a very unique and challenging opportunity. So you, you built this product, you are, you came up with the wireframes concept for it. And, um, And then this is, I think, where the Lidos journey is kind of interesting. So uh, I guess I'll share, you know, what I know of how it came together. You were looking for somebody that could take some Lego pieces, give you the flexibility to be able to change in real time. There was connections with what Rush was doing and what Lidos was doing on some other projects. And uh, Lidos, as I said, does a lot of work in the government space around command and control systems. So things like, Almost every Air Force mission that takes place anywhere in the world is on a platform that's controlled by inputs and, and outputs that are, that are on a platform controlled by Alidos. So data coming from satellite data and the gap, the refuelers and the targeting systems and command and control, all uh, visualizing it as an example of command and control. And so we took those Lego pieces that we've used for other industries and we said to Rush, what would you like to build? And they said, we want to build this, and I think together our teams, you know, did a really nice job of. Uh, maybe I'm biased of building out the thing that uh, that we'll walk through in a couple slides. Um, the nice part about it is it's really flexible. That's the first part, so that if you make a change tomorrow, and I think I'll, we get you have a <laughs> the COVID example is pretty interesting of how you had something designed and not. The other part that I think is just genius of your design, and I know I've told you this several times, but the audience hasn't heard it. Nowhere in this conversation are you talking about what doctors and nurses should do for the patient, which tends to get a lot of pushback when you say, doctors, you must order this, or the patient has to have this done if they have this complaint, or nurses, you have to do these things if the patient has that. All you're saying in your tool is, doctor, do what you want, But when it happens, we're going to get you to a point where you can measure against that metric. So if you think a chest x-ray is ordered, cool, but then we say when a chest x-ray is ordered in this flow cell, it should take this long and your results should be back at this. So I think that was genius. What do you think? (laughs) Thanks, Dan. You know, I think a lot
0: of this is funny. And this is where truly, you know, um, I can't remember if you and I have talked about this before, but. This is where we, we had started, as you described, you know, we started with a relatively what I describe as a, a bootleg version compared to what, you know, what we have now uh, prior to partnering with Lidos. Um We had just tried to stand up somewhat of a digital tool, but wasn't as functional, didn't look as great, you know, so so that's really where this partnership came together and the agility that we found in the tools with Lidos. Um But as you described, you know, this is something that I had to message again and again, is this is not trying to dictate the work. This is really trying to set expectations around, you know, here's our goal for when we order and collect a uh, UA um, to when it should be resulted. And if it's not resulted, uh, we should, you know, there should be a flag so that you're aware and the team's aware that this is something that's falling outside of our agreed, you know, service level agreement. Um, The piece that I can't remember if I told you is this actually came from a, during this work, early in this work, um, it was during a shift I had that there was, as happens probably you know a thousand times in emergency departments across the country, there was literally a patient that I had ordered a UA uh, and was sent off, and I realized you know about an hour and a half after the results seemed like it should have been back, I was like what the heck? You know, caught up in the midst of other things, I was like, how did I? And I asked our uh, you know my uh, friend and nurse said you know, did you see this as back? She's like, oh my gosh, what the heck happened to that? Right. But there's no shared visibility into that. Right. Um, and it's only because, you know, I eventually went looking and said, why, why can't we, uh, you know, why can't we continue to advance care on this patient? Um, so that's sometimes where these things came from, right. Was it's from that real-time experience saying we right. can't, Let silly operational things like that. It shouldn't be dependent on the physician, the nurse, the lab tech, anyone on the team to be staring at the HR to see when, you know, result goes from zero one to one one, right? It should be clear. There should be kind of operational guidelines and the system should be very easily telling us if something's falling off kilter or falling outside that agreement.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think the easy, I agree, you said it earlier, the easiest way to Talk about it is just do some visualization. So we have a few slides in the last 15 minutes or so showing you the visualizations and then I think the results slide really is telling of of what has come from this and then we'll maybe wrap with what's next. So I'm going to flash up the the first slide or the next slide of the tool, perhaps. And this I think you call your and on board. Tell me a little bit about uh, just looking at it, what you see. Yeah, so I think I'm
0: uh, sure the, the audience is probably uh, familiar with kind of the and on concept within lean, but it's really it's just like it described, really. You know, how do you tell when things are on track versus off track? Right. And how do you make it easy for teams to know that uh, things are that we're performing on goal or that we fallen behind goal? And these goals are all established by the teams. You know, this is an open conversation, you know, laying out what's the work, what's the acuity, what's you know the reasonable expectation to get this in. So this, you're looking at our entire department here and what you can look at. And this is, again, the customizability of this is I can look just at my area or if I'm in the role of a charge nurse in this case, I can quickly at a glance tell, you know, for each given flow cell that's represented there on the left-hand side, I can tell what the constraint is, right? What's on track, green, what's off track, and then even what's the recommendation, right? So if one looks to the bottom of this screen, just as an example, and we look at that high resource flex flow cell that we built. Um, we see that three arrived in the last hour. There's six waiting, and we're behind goal in terms of the length of stay within that. Um, and then there's a recommendation to pull. You know that we should be on a cadence to pull uh, the next patient back. Um, and again, you can see on the right hand side of that uh, that same row that we have five of twelve rooms open, and the last patient was roomed in 37B. So that tells me you know, that that team, that nurse uh, in charge of that room, um, we don't want to put two patients in a row because we know that's going to help, you know, he or she to fall uh, fall behind. So it, it again, you know, at a glance, I'm able to tell exactly within each flow cell and within each area of the ED where I'm falling behind uh, or where I'm on goal. And I think uh, that that's really the purpose of this tool.
1: Yeah. And then I, I, sorry, I hit the button uh, fast. <laughs> this, you call your pitch board, right? And so this is where you get into the details of the individual workflow, like we talked about. So the doctor uh, has seen the patient, they've put in their orders, um, and then they go about seeing the next patient. And this is really that tool that pulls in that individual data. Would that be correct? 100%.
0: You're exactly right. This is really where, you know. again, if I'm working within a flow cell, um, you know, I can see at a glance what's fallen behind, right? So, I mean, if I look at the low resource flow cell, I see there's one waiting. We have nine people that are in process in a capacity of 10, but the two patients that rise to the top are someone that's reached goal in room C10. that I can see that I'm three minutes overdue in terms of what the goal length of stay was for that patient. So that's probably someone I got to think about disposition. And then there's another patient in B9 that there's labs or imaging that's fallen outside of the goal. So there's a result that's fallen behind. So I, I think, you know, for those of us that stare at um, EHRs all day and these long lists, this makes it very easy, not just to see performance of the flow cell that I'm in or the area I'm working in, but also who's falling behind and who's not, as opposed to, a uh, you know, a much more complex array.
1: Yeah. At an individual patient level. And I, this, again, I think the genius is if you look at the mobile version on the right, uh, the check mark of, the doctor ordered it so what where are we in that journey where are we getting hung up so that you can intervene on that part and it's it's measured in minutes which again in the the concept of measuring healthcare in minutes is something they do in all sorts of other industries but healthcare it was different lean started to get us to think that that was okay but here's where you're actually operationalizing it which i just think is a, a is a great move the last uh s- slide that we have on on sort of the tool is is sort of the flow the flow conductor, if you will, the the board of the flow. Tell me what I'm looking at.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we, we were very intentional as we looked at each tool. It wasn't necessarily just building tools for tools' sake, right? And, and the design principle we always thought was, well, who's the audience for this? Right. Um, and you have different audiences for, for each type of uh tool, but this one was really targeted for that flow nurse or charge nurse role. Um, and again, everything needs to be at a glance, right? It should be easy to look up and say, shoot, here's here's where the area that I got to go respond to, I got to kind of go to Gemba uh, and understand what's going on, you know, specifically with that, uh, with that patient. Um, so this again, you know, obviously there's the orientation, anyone that works within our department looks at this and immediately recognizes the different areas within it. But I can see quickly that I got to go see what's going on in room 17B, room 19B, um, to really understand why I've fallen so far behind goal on those rooms. Um, but then also I'm able to see how the other areas are performing against goal, right? Um, and where we're on track, off track. Um, so where do I need to bring resources? You know, as a, as a uh, charge nurse, this is the area uh, where our charge nurses don't have patient assignments, but this is really their assignment is to go and get things back on track anywhere that it's starting to pop is red.
1: Excellent. And so how much data do your people have to put into this system? Do they actually have to type anything?
0: Yeah, no, that's the beauty of it. Uh, it really, this is all pulling. This is all integrated. Um, so there is no, no data that's entered. There's no extra, you know, go check this box to uh, say it. It's all flowing um, seamlessly through the data that's in the EHR. Uh, so really, the, their only interaction with it is really to know where we are against goal. They're not, they're not having to input anything uh, on their end.
1: Excellent. So you did all this. You operationalized it with some tools. I think this next slide is going to show us some results. So, I got yeah. luck without being seen results slide. I don't know if you knew that was coming, but here it is.
0: There it is. No, and this is uh this brings back always PTSD like the days spent like looking at these numbers. And as I mentioned even if we went back even further, there were there were days or even days within this that it was as high as 10%, you know, averaged out when we look at it on a on a month to month basis, uh, you know, up four and a half, percent So this is the piece I talked about earlier. You know, if one in every 20 people that walk in the door into an ED that's a volume of uh, 200, um, you know, you know, there's a number of people that came to seek care that you simply couldn't get to, which is unacceptable within an emergency department.
1: So we so put- you, you you had it couple, And then you started your process on paper and pen, right? So that's what we Yeah, that's me. it.
0: That's it. So we, you know, this was the early iteration and this is what, I, it was one of those things uh, I remember- almost within a week, we said, geez, we did something right. Uh, you know, we, we so we introduced a number of these uh, uh, tools and all of a sudden things seemed to change like almost, uh, you know, within a week. And I really was holding my breath and wanted to make sure the data I was getting was right and go down and make sure things looked as good as they did because the volumes had held pretty consistent. But we saw we all of a sudden were reaching target and reaching targets more than just getting to those individuals, you know, for those that uh, are have their business hat on, that for our chief financial officer and chief operating officer at the time, that's additional patient visits, which, of course, is, you know, well, I think you said 1,700
1: uh, or something. That's that's a lot of 100%. extra patients a year that we're leaving that now are being taken care of, let alone 100%. the financial return.
0: That's it. That's exactly it.
1: And then I think um, this next step was where you said, yeah, it was cool. We played whack-a-mole, though. We started focus on it. Then we started other things. Then there's staffing challenges. Then there's inpatient capacity flow challenges. And it sneaks it. back up.
0: That was it. Yeah, so we hit a period where we started seeing this little bit of slippage, you know, away. And it was also during this period um, that we were actually short. We were having to shut down some. We had some capacity constraints on the inpatient side um, that we had shut down. So that resulted in some more, uh, some more boarding. And then our ED staffing was actually a uh, challenge. So you know, I, I never expected that we were going to be able to take our eye off this and it was just going to continue to flow in perpetuity. But this is actually where we started engaging around. Uh with Lidos around we need better tools uh and we need better design and we need more accessibility to actually really be able uh to bring bring these new tools to bear. So this we started in about January 2020.
1: Then look at this, look what happened. It was so perfect. I don't know what what happened happened. back
0: in March 2020, but uh yeah, yeah, all of a sudden, right? All of a sudden we had you know COVID hit us and, and we were trending down in the right direction, and then suddenly this was down, but not necessarily. Uh, volumes were down too right people were afraid of coming to the emergency department for you know for good reasons and we were taking care of a number of uh covid patients so you know i want i was really eager to see as we emerged from covid what results would look like because that would tell us are these new tools really working so we you know this was in control but i'm happy to say that you know as we emerged out of covid as well uh further into twenty twenty one um uh, you know, as, as the peaks had gone down, you see that in spite of high volumes, we were back to the same volumes we had seen back, you know, a year or two prior, um, but we had far better control over left without being seen, which, which to me really was an indicator, okay, this is working, you know, the, the, this is more uh, the operational platform and the tools that we uh, have the teams using seem to be uh, sustaining.
1: Well, I know we uh, we'll try to get some chat answer, question and answer if we can. But um, what's next? You know, you have all these Lego pieces. What do you want to focus on next in the last few minutes we have?
0: Yeah, you know, I think one of the interesting things, and you and I, you and I talked a little bit about it uh, early on, is in post pandemic we're moving hopefully toward post-pandemic world, right? Uh, and what we're already seeing, you know, um, as things are a little better controlled, is there's this return of really high acuity. Volume Um, and and that leads to challenges itself. I think you know a number of uh, departments across the country are probably struggling again with some staffing challenges or their staffing with board. They're uh, you know challenged with boarding things like that. The way that this happened, you know, it's somewhat serendipitous. But the fact we have these tools in place that seem to be keeping a lot of those again the things we can't control as directly. It seems to be keeping check on those and people are in this operational cadence. I think it's helped our teams and even with this return of really high, high acuity volume, our teams are doing, you know, doing well with this, uh, which to me is a great relief because we've all just been through, uh, you know, a horrific uh, couple of years in terms of, uh, I'm hoping there's only one pandemic we work through in a career, <laughs> a global pandemic. <laughs> I, but uh, I
1: agree. I agree a- completely. It was not going to fun. 18 to 24 months, I I would agree completely. And I I know the COVID was a a good example. I, I set it up earlier, so I'll just tell people, you know, you were in the midst of COVID. You had this perfect design system. We had said, here's how your flow cells look. The board was there. COVID happened. You had to redesign your emergency department, like literally overnight, like everybody else did. And the tool, I guess it's not really a question, I'll just describe. The tool was able to change overnight to match those new flow cells and that new work which is the beauty of having, I think, um, something that is as flexible as you need to really get the near real time, within seconds or minutes, the results you're looking for instead of the the death uh, uh, that we suffer as emergency department leaders as uh, I got something that happened last Tuesday and now I have to go talk to somebody about and I can't do anything about it. Hey, Uh last question with the time we have left. What if I wanted it? Is there something, if my health system wanted to get this tool, is that something Russia's interested in sharing?
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is something, again, you know, the design for this was really intended that, you know, if we can show that operationally the impact this has, it's something that we should be able, um, you know, to offer out to others. And it was kind of uh, from that standpoint that we really designed so that it didn't just work for the Russian emergency department, but that it worked globally for emergency department and even beyond uh, Beyond that design. So certainly uh, happy, to, happy to reach out and talk to anyone if it's of help. Uh, to talk through some of the details on what we did with the tools, how we implemented, how we oriented, all those pieces.
1: Well, I want to thank everyone for joining us this afternoon for this session. If you have questions, feel free to reach out to the meeting organizer. They will certainly get questions to Dr. Casey and I. Thank you once again. Have a good afternoon. Thanks.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's Health Impacts Digital Health Talk. Don't miss another podcast. Subscribe at digitalhealthtalks.com. And to join us at our next face-to-face event, visit healthimpactlive.com.